Michael King has written books of all different ways that we can see God. I mean, he talked about gemstones from heaven, and he also talked about feathers just appearing in midair. You know, he has such a childlike faith that he can just have you as a reader start to want to experience some of the supernatural. But lately, he is starting to go after some of the the things that we're supposed to do as Christians. And one of those things is raising the dead. Now, to most people, when you talk about raising the dead, we think, gosh, can't we just do something easier? It's impossible. It's so difficult. But is it? Tonight, we are going to talk about bring out your dead (laughs) on Touched by Prayer. So I'd like to welcome Michael King to the show. Thank you so much for coming back on, Michael. You're such a favorite to have on. Thanks, Lisa. It's always a pleasure to be on the show with you. Um, I just, any excuse to talk to you will do, basically. (laughs) Well, we always have fun because God always has, um, he has ways of bringing us down rabbit trails that are always so interesting. And you also have this great belief. And when you explained it to me about how we're not supposed to die, when you when you spoke it out to me, I was like, oh my gosh, that totally makes sense because sin, um, because of sin, there is death. And so therefore, if we don't have sin because of Jesus, then we basically can live forever. So it's like the, the way that you put things just seems to make everything very possible. So what do you think kind of the Lord put on your heart to write a book about raising the dead? Because this is such a controversial subject. Well, I'll be honest. I don't understand why it's controversial because there's so many places in the Bible, like resurrection is so foundational to the Christian walk, the Christian belief. Like, I mean, it is controversial at times, but I don't understand why. Um, Paul even talked about it. He said, if Jesus isn't raised from the dead, you have no faith. You have nothing to believe in, your faith is in vain, and it's all pointless. So, But the good news is Jesus has been raised from the dead, and because he's been raised from the dead, he's the firstborn, he's the first fruit of many that are to come. So like the throughout the Bible, we see this theme of resurrection, of life being brought in the place of death, and that Jesus even himself said, he said, the thief, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So death, loss, and destruction are the work of Satan and, and the enemy as a whole. He said, but in juxtaposition to that, in opposition to that, I have come to bring life, an abundant life. So full life, abundant life, overflowing life. If you think about um, in Psalm 23 where David talks about my cup runneth over, like that's the, that's the kind of idea of abundant life. Like, okay, you can stop pouring now, you're making a mess, it's running off onto the table, onto the floor, like it's overflowing life. So, I mean, and if you look at it from Genesis to Revelation, um, that's why, you know, and I know we're not really so much talking about immortality, but the whole thing about that you shall not die, that you'll live forever, is not talking about a heavenly reality after you die and get to heaven, because otherwise, what's the point of raising the dead? If you're just going to die later, why, like, why does that matter? Why bring somebody back if they're just going to die again in a year, six months, 20 years? And the reason is because Jesus is about abundant life. He is 100% opposed to death in every way. And so he's given us, as his disciples, the command to go and raise the dead. Oh, I I totally agree with that. And to even put it, um, just to bring up another point, if 
he wanted death. Like, why would Jesus say, go out and raise the dead? That doesn't make any sense because that's one of the things. Cast out demons and, you know, raise the dead. Get rid of leprosy. Heal the sick. It was one of the four things that he told us to do. It's not like he just sat back and said, hey, you know, look, if somebody dies, just let it go. He was very specific about, nope, raise him up. And it's like, if you think about Lazarus, like he, he raised, Jesus raised people from the dead. But even before, and I think you talk about this in your book, before Jesus came, there were resurrections before that, correct? Yeah, there are four, there are four Old Testament uh, resurrections. Um, one was Elijah, one's Elisha, one is Ezekiel prophesying over the dead bones and watching all this, you know, flesh and whatever come onto them. And it's unclear if that's a spiritual thing or if it was actually happening physically in real life. The text, state, the text, the way the text reads, you could read it either way. Um, and then the fourth one is Elisha's bones. This dude is running away from robbers, basically. He and his friends. The dude's dead. They chuck him in a cave because they got to run. They got to get away. And um, when his body hits Elisha's bones in the cave, he pops back to life, and presumably he runs away with them. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, there, but, you know, we were talking um, before we actually started the show, we were also talking about the Sonomite woman. So talk about like some of the things that you, you mentioned to me about that. Um, so the one, that's the one where Elisha was praying over. Um, right. And he sneezed so the, seven times. Yeah. Yeah. That's so what I want to get to. The story's in, the story's in Second Kings 4, 8 through 37. Um, I don't have that memorized. I'm just staring at the list of verses. Um, <laughs> but, but basically what happens is, uh, for those who aren't familiar with the story, um, Elisha goes and prophesies over this lady from Shunem, and she seemed like she was decently well off. Um, hey, you're going to have this kid. So eventually this kid, um, I'm not sure he gets like a head injury. Or I'm not really sure what happens because he's just sitting there complaining that his head hurts. She's holding him in his lap for till like the middle of the day, and then he dies. So she goes and sends a servant to go get a license and said, look, like, I didn't ask for a kid, but God gave me a kid, so fix it. And um, long story short, he ends up um, coming back, praying over this kid. Um, the kid sneezes seven times and then comes back. Um, and it was something I actually only just noticed now while I was talking to you, um, is that he sneezed seven times and then opened his eyes. Well, Many times when doing deliverance with people, so casting out demons, exorcism, call it what you want, um, people will often burp, you know, pass gas, sneeze. They will release some kind of wind when spirits are leaving them. So I just find it interesting that this kid died out of the middle of nowhere, and he sneezes seven times and then wakes up. And the reason I say it's interesting about resurrection uh, or, or casting out demons is because... Um, in, I want to say it's Matthew, but Jesus talks about how if you cast a demon out of somebody and you don't deal with the situation well, then you could potentially have them come back with seven more. Yep. So the number seven, the number seven in Scripture is significant to begin with, but then there's a specific reference that Jesus makes about the number seven and demons. So I just think it's interesting that the Bible clearly and specifically noted that he sneezed seven times, and I think it's because it's referencing basically that there was a demonic element at work causing this kid's death. And so when Elisha came and prayed, um, among what he ended up doing was casting these demons out, and this kid came back. 
Yes. And, you know, so the before Jesus came, there were there were people who were being raised from the dead. Ezekiel prophesied to bones. So those bones are pretty dead, Michael. I'm just saying those are pretty. That's a pretty dead dead. dead. (laughs) Right. And that didn't seem to concern God because he said to Ezekiel, he said, Ezekiel, he said, prophesy to these bones so they may live. And they started to, things started to happen, right? Yeah. Like the, um, what was it, the sinew and the, I guess basically like... So it's like, yeah, it's like basically the flesh and the bone and the muscle. I mean, the bones all came together and then it grew flesh on it and then it grew skin on it. And then he said, command the breath of life to come back in them. Hmm. See? So there was a... There were things that had to happen first. So first, the bones had to be prophesied that they shall live. And then after the bones should live, right? So after everything kind of mm-hmm. came together, then the bre- then he had to fill, he had to prophesy the breath of life over them? Yeah. Say, so well, it I mean, was a two-stepper. Well, I mean, it was like a three-stepper for that one. And I don't think I don't think the goal is to make a formula out of that. Like, oh, if somebody, you know, is all just bones and they've been dead for a while, like, first you have to, you know, get flesh in the body. Like, you can just pray for them to live and God can simultaneously grow. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think there's so much an order to it um, as, as much as, I mean, there is. Like, if you don't have an actual body, you kind of need a body to show up um, before you can resurrect it. But... Um, but, I mean, God can work out some of those details. Like, there's a story, um, and I talk about it in Chapter 7 in the, uh, the book I wrote, Faith to Raise the Dead, um, has a number of different resurrection stories. Some are historical, some are current day, some are ones from the Bible. But uh, there's one by a man, I believe it was Vincent Ferrer. He was a Catholic saint, and it might not have, there's, it's in there. I have to see if I can figure out who it is. But the point is, um, the, whoever, whoever the Catholic saint was, there was a man, a guy who had drowned in a river. So they didn't even have his body because he drowned in the river and got carried away in the current somewhere. So the mom came and she's like, no, we need to do something. God, you have to fix this. And uh, they pray and the body gets translocated dead onto the shore in front of them. Wow. God translocates the body in front of them. Okay, St. Hyacinth, here we go. St. Hyacinth. Yep, I just found it. Yep, I just found it. Okay, so um, this woman, Prima Slava, um, it, like, falls at his feet, and she's just like, you've got to do something. So he prays. God translocates her son's body in front of them, and then he prays some more, and he gets resurrected. Right, it says he touched the body and decreed life into it. So, Wow. But wait, now, did you also put in St. Patrick? Because St. Patrick raised 40 people from the dead, including a horse. I had to look that up. But he... <laughs> I did not include that one, but yeah, he has a ton of resurrection testimonies. And, and, and it says, if you actually Google it or if you go to Wikipedia, it says, and some were very, very dead, unlike the freshly dead. And I think that's, right? you know, it's, it's very interesting because there are, if, if you think about, like with Jesus, when he went to go and raise Lazarus, he waited until he was very, very dead. Because even the sister said, if you would have come sooner, he would be alive. But Jesus wanted to make sure he was very, 
very dead so that he so he they could be shown because I guess back then somebody could like pass out and people could think they were dead and then come back to life you know so but with well, it's possible but even even that was pretty infrequent I mean we hear about these stories of somebody getting some type of sickness or something where like it essentially paralyzed them but they were still alive in like a dormant state and that can technically happen but it's I mean it's incredibly uncommon but um, the reason, I want to say the reason they waited three days, three days, I believe, in Jewish, um, not mythology, uh, Jewish belief, I believe it was that three days is the time it takes for the spirit to leave the body or something like that. Okay. Um, but so, wasn't it, so wasn't it more days, than three days? Wasn't it, f- yeah, it was five days? Day, but it was a fourth day, it yeah. It was four. Okay. So I think the whole thing about three days, though, is that at that point, theoretically, the spirit's left the body and it's gone on to the afterlife, but... Um, interesting point. I actually read this recently um, by somebody named Richard Murray. You may have seen him on Facebook, but he's a lawyer. He writes a lot of really good, like theologian level stuff about about the goodness of God and resurrection and a lot of this kind of stuff. Um, he actually said he said Lazarus had already died basically by the time Jesus found out about it because they were a day away. Jesus was a day away from wherever Lazarus was. So once Lazarus gets sick or dies or whatever. They send somebody to go get him. He's already dead by the time Jesus was notified anyway. Okay. So at that point in time, so at that point in time, whether it's one day, five days, or ten days, it really doesn't matter. Wow. Yeah. Because he's pretty much dead. So, <laughs> yeah. So at that point in time, right, I think there's a chance that, okay, he's already dead. So, yeah, we may wait three days. And then, and, and again, Jesus didn't just wait three days because it takes a day to get there. So, I mean... He didn't leave the moment they said, oh, Lazarus is dead. But, I mean, he didn't just sit on his haunches for four days either. Right. Right. But, you know, sometimes I think when we, you know, especially nowadays, it's, you know, I think that there are more people who are resurrected from the dead in other countries than they are here in America. And I believe it's because once a, once a, a body is embalmed, they're, they go up, game over. <laughs> that, that's what I really believe. Yeah. I, I, well, I spoke to somebody once who said, he basically is like, well, after they're involved, it's over. And I'm like, but why? He's like, well, they're involved, so they don't have any more blood in them. And, you know, the Bible says the life's in the blood. Blood's gone, resurrection over. I just, I was like mentally scratching my head at that one because I was just like, that's not even logical. Like, no right. offense, no offense to anybody who, right. who has believed that or whatever, but let me just destroy that thought for a second, because um, the point at time at which you're dead, having blood in or not in your body is not going to make you more viable as a specimen for resurrection. You're dead. Like, you have no breath of life in your body. Your heart's not working. Your brain's not working. You have total renal failure. You've got liver failure. Your lungs have collapsed. I mean, literally every medical problem you can think of has already now happened to you. Um, so, I mean, you're going to have to reverse all of that uh, in prayer, which even if they had the blood still in their body, you still have to reverse total organ failure, cardiac death, and brain death. Like, I mean, so I, I guess my point is at that point in time, I feel like whether the blood's there or not is kind of a neglig- negligible point. Right. And I, and I think that's, but I think that that's what kind of stops people. It's like up until well, we also that hide point. our dead in America. Okay. 
Well, I mean, like, if you think about it, I mean, I'm a nurse. For those who don't know, I'm a nurse. I work at a hospital. Um, I've worked in healthcare for, like, 10 years. When, uh, when people die, we close the door, you know, shoo everybody away, and then, um, you know, eventually somebody comes in, we wash the body, and you stick them in a body bag, call the mortuary, have somebody come, all hush-hush, and wheel them out. Right. Like, I mean, to the point where I even have some nurses that I work with, they're like, are they gone yet? I'm like, they've been dead for like two hours. Like, chill out. Like, it's not a big deal. Like, like I mean, some people get really freaked out about dead and the death and dying and whatever. And in our culture in America, we we send the dead away as far away as we can, as fast as we can, make it go away. We don't want to hear about it, see it. Um, so, so when I say we hide the dead, we, we really do. We try mm-hmm. and keep anybody from experiencing this unpleasant thing, you know, called death. And yeah, we don't want to experience it. That's no good. But we don't have to be afraid of it, and we don't have to, to hide the subject. We can just openly talk about it. Yeah, this person died. Like, they're not going to, like, they're not a zombie. They're not going to get up and hurt you. Like. Well, you know, let's, let's talk about that. Now that you brought that up, let's just talk about our fascination with raising the dead. Because our fascination with raising the dead is really very demonic. <laughs> when we think about people being raised from the dead, we immediately think of zombies. That we have been programmed to believe that resurrection only makes zombies. And I'm going to bring up a story because when my son was in school, um, he wanted to dress up and be a zombie. And I said to him, Alex, I said, I don't want you to be a zombie. I said, it's very, very, very dark. And he says, well, he goes, why? He goes, it's just dead people coming back to life. He goes, it's, it's just like Jesus. And this is what I said to him. And, and it, this was so Holy Spirit, and I just didn't realize it at the time. I said, yes, and look at the difference. What God brings back is beautiful, and what the devil brings back is ugly and destructive. That is so true. Right? Think about it. Because there are people, especially like people who do voodoo, because you do talk about this. You talk about the difference between like like a, a resurrection that is godly versus something that is through magic or, or through something that is not so much through God. But there were people, especially if you have ever gone to New Orleans, there were voodoo doctors who would bring back people who died and they would be zombies. They didn't eat people, but they would work for the person who brought them back. And they didn't even realize that they were dead. Yeah, that's, I mean, there are there are varying stories or encounters, and I don't share any actual encounters in the book, but there are, you know, if you hunt hard enough, you can find stories of uh, what I refer to as occult resurrection. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically people who have been raised by the power of witchcraft. And it is possible, it is infrequent, but it is possible. Um, and before I even was working on this book, I was, you know, I used to think like, oh, you know, um, I, I've had a lot, lot of strong beliefs about raising the dead for a while, but I used to think that Christians are the only ones who can raise the dead. Well, that's not entirely true. Um, in, where is it, in the Old Testament, so it's either Kings or Chronicles, or one of the ones where Saul, maybe in Samuel, one of Samuel's, um, when he, where Saul when he calls goes Samuel. to the Witch of Endor. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah so he goes to the Witch of Endor, and the Witch of Endor successfully and correctly brings up uh, Samuel's Samuel. spirit mm-hmm. from the afterlife. Yep. 
Um, and, and he's I mean, really it's not, mad. It's not, <laughs> yeah, he's mad, but it's because they got the actual right guy. It's not like it's yeah. not like oh, we're just getting this spirit to show up that's <laughs> going to impersonate Samuel. She actually successfully brought Samuel's spirit forward into the room, such that they could both see him, mm-hmm. and he was pissed. Yep, like he was angry. Really, he's angry. like, what are you doing? So with that. Um, we know it's possible through the occult to bring back spirits. We also know in Revelation that the um, talks about the false prophet, I believe, maybe I'm probably mixing it up, but I think the beast dies and the false prophet speaks life. No, um, there's something about a statue, a statue that gets animated and life gets brought to the statue and um, they do something to bring the statue to life. Well, statues don't normally come to life. So the only way you can bring a statue to life is if you give it a spirit of some kind, so it can be a sentient being. Mm, In Jewish mysticism, there's something called a golem, which is um, basically an animated... It's usually like mud and sticks and stuff, but it's basically an inanimate object that they've put together to be humanoid-like, and they've animated or given it the ability to function and move. So that's kind of what you're talking about with, like, the voodoo stuff, is they've essentially turned bodies into these golems. But yes. the whole point is, if you can bring a statue to life, and you can bring a spirit of a dead person back into the natural realm, there's really not much of a big jump between bringing a spirit back into the natural realm and attaching it to something and having that something come to life. Like, you know what I mean? You can attach a spirit to a stone, it can come to life. Well, what if you just attach that person's spirit back to their own original body? Like, I mean, it's not that much of a jump, if you think about it, based on things we see in Scripture. Um, Which point being is it's possible, but like you said, how much more, when God does something, does he do it well, does he do it right, and is it good? Right. Right, absolutely. And if you think about it, like... Let, and you and I have talked about this before, especially um, John, the Apostle John. He could not die. He could not yeah. die. They tried to even boil him in oil. He could not die. So, I and you and I have had this conversation that what happened to John? Now, they say that he died of natural like at a natural age, but I don't believe that. That doesn't sit in my spirit. I don't believe he ever died. I believe that he... Well, He's maybe just like Elijah, he was taken up or whatever, but he could not die because it was said by Paul. Why, why is it that he does not die? Yeah. Um, yeah, and that's just it. I mean, like, if you look, I, I think it was Peter saying to Jesus, like, wait, wait a second. Oh, you, Peter, you I'm sorry. Yes. have to die? Yeah. Oh, wait, it's not mm-hmm. good. You, like, yeah. why, does, why does he get to stay alive and the rest of us have to die? Right. Um, I think John got a deeper revelation about abundant life right. than the rest of them got, except except for Paul, because I'll tell you that I think Paul is right up there with John as far as the revelation he got. I don't know why Paul died, finally, because okay. he died multiple times before then. Um, there's, a, there's a testimony where Paul uh, was stoned, and mm-hmm. they left him for dead. Well, I don't know if you know anything about stoning, but when you stone somebody to death, you don't stone them until they have some bruises and bumps, and then you leave them. Right, you, you leave them until, until they're, they're not dead. breathing. Right. You might have their skull caved in. Yes. I mean, like, medically, clinically speaking, the dude is going to be in a world of hurt. Yes. Most likely, his ribs are broken, his spine's probably broken somewhere, his face is probably broken, he should have crushed organs all over the place. Like, stoning, if you're going to do it right, you can stone somebody to death. 
And that's what they were trying to do. And so, yeah. So exactly. So I don't think they just left him and oh, he was fine and God. I mean, because the 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 account says that basically the disciples gathered around him, and then he got up and walked back in the city with them. <laughs> okay. Well, if you've been stoned, you don't just get up and walk anywhere. Right. And while, like I said, I can't prove that he was dead because I wasn't there. Right. The man was dead. Yeah. All right. You don't, like I said, it was a stoning. The man was dead. All right. Yeah. So what happened was he died. They resurrected him and he walked back in the city with them. <laughs> he talks somewhere in the, I don't remember, somewhere in the New Testament, he talks about how he was like shipwrecked twice, yep. stoned, beaten. Yep. Like the man had died. He was died. bit by a snake, a poisonous snake. Mm-hmm. Exactly. The man died enough times and had enough death encounters that he didn't die in. Yes. Because he had a revelation of the abundant life of Jesus Christ. He yes. said, not that I've already attained it, but I press on towards the prize, the goal of the prize of the upward calling that is in Christ Jesus. And that is immortality. That is us never dying because we have defeated the power of death, and we've put the power of death under Jesus' feet. Mm. So, I mean, Paul had that revelation. So why he died eventually, I don't know. I can't explain that, but, um, but the fact remains that he had this revelation, the same revelation that John had, which is that greater is he who lives in me than he is in the world. Yes. Yes. And, and, but see, that's the, that's the whole thing is that, you know, we, we take those verses and we think, oh, you know, greater is he who lives in me than he is in the world. It's like, oh, well, Jesus in me, <clears throat> excuse me, Jesus in me is so much stronger than, than the spirit or the, you know, which is basically Satan because he is the ruler, he is the ruler of the air. So that we take that verse to think that, of course, Jesus is greater. Okay. But what is Jesus greater at? He's greater at everything, including including death, right. including death. He, it says that when he died and was resurrected, he took back the keys to life and death. He took back death, the hell keys. hell and the grave, all of it. Yes, he took it back. So, you know, that's the whole thing is that if he has the keys to, to life and to death and to the grave, that's why we can say that when Jesus comes back and that trumpet is blown, that the dead raise up because he has the key. Yeah. He holds the key. So there are, I believe that there are, we are starting to see bits and pieces of people being resurrected. Um, there was a boy who was pulled out of a lake, I think, and he was dead and he was brought back to life. There was, um, I think there was somebody else that um, the child was dead. The mother came in. She put her, no, it was the father. I'm sorry. The father died. The son came in. The son put his hand on the father. He commanded the father to come back and the, and the father came back. He had like a, a massive heart attack. It was on the news. Yeah, I remember that one. So, I mean, it's starting. It's starting. But again, it, you know, there is sometimes we, we put ourselves out there to believe the miraculous, to, to, to see the resurrection of dead. And sometimes it doesn't happen. Case in point, me. There was somebody very close to me whose son passed away and I put it on Facebook um, if don't, I don't need comments. I just want you to agree that he will rise up. That's all I put. Now this put a huge controversy because my husband was getting phone calls. Has your <laughs> wife gone crazy? No, he did. He did. He got, it. he got phone calls. Did Lisa, did Lisa lose her mind? Now it would, it, it would have been so fantastic 
had I put, he's alive. But unfortunately, he did not raise up. But I saw, and, and you and I were talking during this time because this was a very, this was very scary for me, but it was also very precious to me because this was a very, very dear friend who lost her young son for no reason. He didn't, he didn't drug himself. He did not kill himself. He was not doing drugs. He, he wasn't in a car accident. He went to sleep and didn't wake up. Yeah. What the heck at 24 years old? What the heck? But I saw things. I saw specific things that I shared. I, I saw him in the, hot, in the morgue. I saw him sit up. I heard the technician say, we've gotten a heartbeat. I, I mean, and I saw it so clearly. So there is a chapter in your book, I think it's chapter 16, that says about the prophecy. Like sometimes if you get the prof, you don't, the prophecy doesn't happen. The things that you yeah, it, see, it does not come to pass. What then? Yeah. So it is It is chapter 16, and it was funny as I was telling you that you were saying that you have this whole, like, life thing surrounding the number 16. I do. Like, it is as far as... I just thought that was really cool. But but this chapter is called The Trade by Prophecy, and it basically... Um, it talks about what happens when God gives you a prophetic word and it doesn't come to pass. Specifically, I'm specifically talking about resurrection, but I mean, it can apply to other stuff, too. Um, but the reason I believe that, the main reason I believe that is, is because God is telling us of a potential reality, and he's calling us to join him and partner with him to make it happen. Um, it says in Psalms, I want to say it's 112, but it says it somewhere in the Psalms, that the heavens of the Lord and the fullness therein, but the earth he has given to man. Which means, it says elsewhere in Amos 4, that the Lord does nothing without first telling his servants the prophets. If you put some of these things together that we see in the Bible, basically the Lord has given dominion over the earth realm to us. So when we don't pray, things don't happen, because God has given us free will choice to choose and dictate what does or doesn't happen in the earth. Why do we think Jesus said, pray like this, God, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's already being done in heaven. It's not being done on earth, and it won't be done on earth unless we pray. Um, so when, when God gives us these prophetic words, he's... He's, it's a partnership, and he's telling us what is possible so that we can partner with him in it and pray and do whatever we need to do to make that happen. The question of why doesn't it happen, I don't... I mean, that's the, that's the million-dollar question, right? Yeah. Um, why, why you pray for somebody healing, they don't get healed? Why you pray for somebody to get raised, they don't get raised? Why you pray for whatever solution to happen, and it doesn't come through? We are in a spiritual battle. There are demons, there are enemies that oppose us. There are people that actively oppose us, you know, people who have chosen to, to serve evil, and they oppose us in their prayers. So you've got the potential to have people praying against what you're praying for. Um, you have the potential for uh, just all sorts of issues going on in the spirit realm that we don't know about, um, demons blocking them from getting back into their body. Um, I mean, I've read enough near-death experiences, and even near-death, they died and came back, but where people see, like, a demon blocking entry to their body, and then an angel has to come and, like, kick them aside so the person can get back in. Huh. So, so we, know, we know that the enemy actively prevents this from happening. Um, so there's lots of things that could happen. What if, and I talk about this in the book, what if you got a vision of going to the morgue or funeral home or wherever, laying hands on them and praying for them, right? right? And you went and did that, and they didn't get up. Well, what happened if God gave that vision to one other person, and you, they were going to, unbeknownst to you and unbeknownst to them, you both were going to be there at the same time, you both were going to do the same thing, and it was going to happen. 
But what happened was they never followed the vision that God gave them. They didn't show up, and so the person didn't get raised. I mean, there's mm. so many variables of things we just don't know. Sure, sure. That that, that really is the thing, is we just don't know. There's, right. there's things we don't know, and we're not going to know. So instead, so we can't we can't lay on the well. It must not have been God's will because they didn't come back. Or oh God, you betrayed me. You gave me something that didn't happen. You lied to me. Or even so and so, you were wrong. Well, they, the person who gave you a word may not have been wrong. I even gave you a prophetic word about that situation. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, I apologized to you later because it didn't happen. Um, but see, I, that, but I don't that's think it changes thing. what God's will was. No, I, and, I don't think it changed what God's will was, no. and I don't think I was wrong. Well, and that's that's the thing, you know. It when when John Paul Jackson died, I had a really really hard time with it, and I was asking the Lord, I'm like, Lord, I just don't understand, and and He really started to talk to me about life and death. This is what He said to me. He said, Lisa, He said, if somebody was sick. But you knew a place that they can go where they would feel better than they ever did, be more alive than they ever were, and be happier than they ever were. Would you tell them to go? And before I could even think about it, I heard him say, not only would you tell them to go, you would, ins- you would insist that they go. He yeah. said, that is heaven. He says, when mm-hmm. one of my children wants to come home, I take them. Yeah. He-, he says, but I can understand you wanting to fight for somebody who is not who is not saved who's not heading towards yeah. heaven so you know do i believe that we're only supposed to resurrect those who <laughs> haven't accepted jesus that no i don't believe that i believe that anybody who dies prematurely should be resurrected that's my belief well here's the question for you what is premature death before they really want to go <laughs> Well, but but here's I mean here's the thing is I mean and the reason I ask that is because the idea of premature death mm-hmm. I've I've heard people talk about this like well you know we raised people that died prematurely well what if they didn't die prematurely do you still bring them back right well that's kind of a hard question because mm-hmm. what plumb line or measuring are we what what unit of measurement are we using to decide what premature death is right I mean I mean if you want to look scripturally right. Uh, the patriarch, not the patriarchs, but you know uh, Noah and uh, uh, Adam. You know a lot of a lot of the forefathers early on. They lived nine hundred some years. That's right. There's a there's a verse. I want to say it might be in Isaiah that talks about how the um, those who live to a hundred, basically, it's like they died as a child. Wow. And so, and so I think, like, this, this idea of premature death, there's no such thing as premature death, because death is anathema to God. Hmm. Death is always premature, because you're not supposed to die. Right. Jesus came to seek and save that which was lost. What's the first thing that they lost? The first thing that they lost when they sinned, the wages of sin is death, they lost their immortality. Right. Now, that's not the only thing Jesus came to save us from, but... The main thing, that the, the main number one thing that they lost, if you eat of this, you will die. die. He didn't say, yeah. if you eat of this, you'll sin. Jesus, John 3.16, God so loved the world that he did not want them to perish, to die, yep. but live forever. Yep. Jesus came to save us from the power of death. So there's no such thing as premature death, because all death is premature. So, so then, technically, you should be raising up everybody. But I guess, yeah. you know, I and guess you, what we think is that if somebody who has been so, see, that that's the whole thing. It's about sickness. It's when you see somebody suffering. It's like, and then when you start to see somebody who's getting old, 
you know, and they can't see and they can't hear and they're having, you know, they're back to wearing diapers as they were. They're going back, they're reverting back to a baby. They're reverting back to a baby. You know, all the frustrations of a a baby. It's like they kind of gone full circle. You're like, okay, well, it's time. It's time for them to go. But I think the frustration is if you see somebody like when, when John Paul Jackson left, he still had so much to do. He just started something. He started something yeah. and he did not get to finish it. And I was so, so frustrated. And, and I was pushing God and I was pushing God. And the Lord said to me <laughs> quite abruptly, which he, he doesn't usually do, but once in a while, just so that I stop it. He's like, some things you don't have to understand. And that yeah. was it. That was basically it. So, you know, sometimes there are things, regardless of how much our faith is, how much we press into something, there are just some things we just don't understand. And we have to trust God. And I believe when people say, and this, because this is such a, um, this really kind of frustrates me, is that we have to trust the sovereignty of God. Well, that just makes it seem that God says he lives, he dies, I'm taking him, I'm taking that. I don't believe that's what that means. That's not what I believe that means. What I mean by his sovereignty is that, that I trust him because he has a plan. Yeah. God's sovereignty is badly misunderstood. God's yes. sovereignty is usually used to explain that it happened, therefore it was God's will. Well, that's, right. that's not even scriptural. No. It's not even scriptural. Nope. Um, God's sovereignty means he's the highest authority ever, mm-hmm. period. That's all it means. It doesn't right. mean he always gets his way, because we can look at a trillion different scriptures Absolutely. that say he didn't get his way. Yep. Moses was told to speak to a rock, and he whack it with a stick. Right. Um, yeah, I, mean, they're like, I mean, the list goes on. Uh, Israel was told, I don't want you to have a king. We want a king anyway. Well, you can have a king if you want one, but I don't want you to have one. My will is for no king. They're like, right. give us a king. It's like, okay, but that's not right. my will. Right, and then um, he gave I mean, them... The <laughs> yeah. Then he gave them all... He gave them manna. They didn't want manna anymore. We don't want manna anymore. We Now we want we want meat. Okay, so I'm going to send the quail. Yeah. I mean, he's so good. <laughs> he's just so but good. But the thing is, I mean, God doesn't get his way frequently. No, he doesn't. And so to say that God's sovereign, therefore he's getting his way is absurd, because right. just yes. even scripturally that's not true. It means he's the highest authority. It doesn't mean he always gets his way. That's right. why we pray. Right. Um, so the thing the thing you were saying, though, I want to get back to real quick, sure. um, about about somebody dying prematurely, about somebody, you know, dying because they've lived a full life or whatever, um, that is, it's problematic once you go down that path, because at some point in time, um, anybody can die at any point in time, because there's again, there's no actual measure, and there's no scriptural measure to use to decide when somebody has quote unquote lived a full life, or if there is a scriptural measure, nobody around is living up to it because it's in the 900s somewhere. Mm. Um, so, I mean, the things that are in the scriptures talk about living far, far, far past 100. Um, so, and, and that's long life, and so it's all relative based on our belief of what life should look like. But the problem is when you say that is that we bump up against our life experience, which is that people get old, they get sick, and they die. Right. So, so how, do you, how do you reconcile the two? And the way you do that is this. Like, my grandfather, my mom's dad died two years ago? It was about two years ago. Um, I don't remember. I think it was two years ago. Anyway, my grandfather died in January of, I think it was 2015, and um, I didn't pray for him to get resurrected. Uh, it's not because I didn't believe in resurrection then, it's because I didn't see the point. And that can sound a little callous or whatever, but the man didn't have any vision beyond, okay, I'm going to get old, get sick, and die. 
Um, so his expectation, even how I did manage to bring him back, was that he was just going to get sick and die, you know, some short while um, later. And I just, and the amount of issues it would have caused in my family for me to try and do that, I just, I was not willing to entertain the risk, to entertain the stress level that it would cause for really probably not much of a reward on the back end. Um, which, again, it sounds very calculating, and it kind of was. But, um, but the, I mean, those are the things you actually deal with when you're dealing with real situations, is I had to say, is this something that I believe is worth stepping out to attempt? And I believe it's always the will of God, so it's not a question of whether it's God's will for him to be healed and raised and whatever, because the answer is yes, always, every time. The issue was, is this something that I am willing to put the risk out there in the situation to do? And the answer is just a simple no. I wasn't willing to do it. Um, so I didn't. I don't feel guilty about that. I don't feel like I did something wrong. But I do feel like I had a choice, and that was the choice I made. And in every situation, we have a choice to raise the dead or not. Um, and, and it's easier with somebody who's younger to say, do I want to raise this person while they're young? Yes. Um, but I don't think that's always the right answer just based on age. Because, again, we have to go back to what God's original will is for nobody to die. But, but, I, but there is a measure which, like, if somebody doesn't have a vision beyond that, then I'm not going to feel as bad, especially if they're elderly, if I don't pray for them. Um, but, but that's not going to be a limiting factor for me either. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And, you know, like it, I think everything is on a uh, – everything's very personal. I it also, is, and it's hard to describe that. You know yeah. what I mean? It's really hard to communicate that, I think, well – when you're trying to explain about God's will for 100% resurrection all the time, because there's this militant to which I believe in resurrection, but I have to simultaneously balance that with practical life, if you will. And, and the thing is, miracles are impractical. I mean, they're very practical in that they solve practical problems, but they're impractical in the sense that they don't deal with problems in a practical, linear, scientific kind of way. Um, so, so it makes this weird tension between trying to figure out what to do in a situation when you know both the, the ultimate will of God and you know surrounding details to try and figure out what is the right answer, you know? And that's, and that's the reason I'm, I'm explaining this. Is it just, it's hard to know what to do, and, and that's why I think there's this growth and learning process we, we go through as we pursue learning about this abundant life of Jesus is to try and figure out that kind of stuff. Well, um, I mean, that's, the same could be... it matters. Right, but the same thing could be say, said about, like, praying for somebody who's sick. Like, you know, sometimes you could see somebody who's sick, and you can say, well, I think, you know, they're, especially if, say, they're, they're serving God through their sickness, and there's such a testimony, well, you know, God's using their sickness. I mean, I don't believe in this, but God's using their sickness to show... no. No, it's either you want to go and lay hands on them and believe that God wants to heal them or you don't. You don't. I sometimes feel like we will sit there and we'll justify and we become God in some ways saying this person shall live and this person shall die because we don't want to. Yeah. And we, we just don't stick our heads out. We don't stick our necks out to go and to do what Jesus told us to do, which is raise the dead. It's just that, first of all, it's extremely when somebody does die, it is extremely hard to get to get to get to the body because they take it yeah. to a morgue. And once you, they go to a morgue, you cannot get in. 
even family members cannot get in unless they're identifying yeah. body. Cannot get in. Yeah. So, you know, it's like... And that's what I was saying earlier. Like, we hide or did. We make it hard. In, in America, anyway, yes. we make it hard to get to the yeah. dead. And so, um, in, in varying cultures, you know, depending on where you are, you know, somebody's body might be laying in a hut on a table somewhere. Or, depending on the culture, because the family is responsible for dressing, caring for, involving whatever they're doing to care for the dead. It's a family, more ritualistic thing. So there's somebody with the body all the time. Like, right. So, I mean, so, so culturally, it really depends on where in the world you are as to the level of access you get. And while access doesn't guarantee resurrection or not, I believe it influences the level of success. I do. Um, the, I, I agree with the, that. The, the resurrection... Of the of the varying resurrection stories that you hear, read about, listen to people, whatever, the ones that are most common are the ones where somebody had access to the body. Yep. I mean, it's it's literally that simple. Like, if you have no body, you don't have a resurrection in like ninety nine point nine percent of the cases. But but I'm just seeing something as you're saying this. All of a sudden, I saw Jesus and I saw him at the tomb of Lazarus. Okay, he did not mm-hmm. physically touch Lazarus. <clears throat> he nope. spoke. He said, all he said was, Lazarus, come. That's it. And he didn't say it over and over and over. He said it once. He just said it once. I went back and I read it. Trust me. (laughs) Yeah. He only said it once. And everybody looked at him like he was nuts. And in a few minutes, Lazarus came out. Lazarus comes walking out. He comes walking out, all wrapped up in the things, being like, what the heck? And the interesting thing is when they first roll back the tomb, if you've ever watched any kind of a a movie, you know, where they're showing Jesus, you know, raising Lazarus, as soon as they roll back that stone, the stench comes because decomposition has already begun. Oh, yeah. I mean, day one, um, and I talked a little bit about this too, is day one, the reason the body gets hard and stiff, it's called rigor mortis. It's a physiological process by which basically there's a bunch of different connective tissue things inside of all the cells of your body that they firm up once, um, once, once life processes in the cell stop, basically. These, these particular fibrous things all kind of firm up. But after about 24 hours, you have these things called lysosomes, 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 uh, lysosomes that are like these, little balls of um, digestive juice, basically, inside the cells of your body. So they're in, the digestive juices, the enzymes, they're called lysozymes, they're, they're stuck inside these little balls in your body, and when you need to digest things, the ball kind of works a little bit like Pac-Man. It just kind of like gobbles whatever you're, you're, you're trying to digest, and it digests it inside this little ball, and then it kind of spits it out so the rest of your cell can use it. Well... After about 24 hours, those, the, those little balls, the balls break apart. Well, the balls are made to digest things. So what they start doing is breaking apart all of these hard, fibrous things that have formed inside the cell. So your body gets hard, and then it softens back up once it's decaying even further. Okay. So, so then, then you've got heat in the Middle East after being dead for four days, yep. you know, and you think it's not going to have significant level of decay. You've got yeah. bacteria, you've got viruses, you've got parasites that are probably breaking down the body. You've got the heat. You've got all of these things going on that are making this thing disgusting, basically. Right. And then, they so they roll back that tomb. The smell hits them, so they're all like, 
knowing, okay, yeah, he's, he's seriously dead. And Jesus just says, Lazarus, come. He doesn't lay hands. He doesn't say, oh, dear Lord. You know, no. If it be your will. Yes, if it be your will, let him stay down. <laughs> but yeah, if it's right? not, then let him come forth. No, what he did say, though, is my Lord, I thank you that you hear me. That's what he said. Wow, I can't believe I remember that. Is that true? <laughs> yeah, it is. He said, I thank you that you hear me and that you answer my prayer. He said, I'm not even praying this yep. for, for me. He no. said, really, he said, I'm just praying this so everybody else hears what's going on. Exactly. Uh, but he says, I thank you that you hear me. And, and he says, Lazarus, come. So maybe we're just complicating things. And that's kind of what I felt, felt like. And it was funny because, you know, we, we put this show together so quick and it's like so last minute, but I really wanted to honor you because this is your, your latest book. And this is something that you've really poured your heart and soul into. And you really want to show people that this is truly something we are supposed to do. We're supposed to yeah. do it. This is, you know, this is going to be, and it's funny, I, I shared this with a friend of mine. Um, and I think I might have shared this with you one time, but I was talking to my girlfriend and she she's just starting to understand about healing and she's been watching a lot of Todd White videos and everything. And so I said to her, I said, listen, I'm just going to tell you this. One day resurrection is going to be as simple as it is with healing. It's going to be a simple phone call. Hey, what's up? Uh, my mom died. Really? Well, I can't get there until five o'clock. All right. And well, all right. Well, I mean, if you really want me to come, I'll come at four. But no, no, no. Five's good. All right. I'll see you at five. And it's like, because at five o'clock, when that person gets there, they're raising back that mother. There's yeah. no sadness because they're raising that mother back up. And that's what I actually saw in a vision. And we were both cracking up. But that's what God is showing. That's what God is starting to show us is that he is that's going. That's where it's headed. Yeah, that's exactly where it's headed. Because even the faith movement of faith healing has caught on. Because if you yeah. say to people, do you believe in faith healing? They go, what do you mean? Well, I pray for the sick. Would that be all right if I pray for you? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like there's no, even people who don't know what faith healing is. But if you say, I want to pray for you because I, you know, God wants to heal you. Can I pray for you? And they go, yeah, Absolutely. So it's like, yeah. that's become acceptable. But I think the same thing is going to become acceptable for raising the dead. It will. And one of the things that is going to happen is, as really the Church has been in a very unhealthy place in regarding to our beliefs about raising the dead and resurrection and life as a whole, but God is releasing uh, greater health to the body. Um, you know, not to toot my own horn, but through things like this book, I mean, this is, but I mean, it's not, it's not about me or a book. It's that God is releasing revelation to lots of different people. Um, there's a guy named Frank Hanks. I don't know if you know him on Facebook, but um, he's very much about uh, empty hospitals international. I don't want to say the name of his ministry, but, um, but he's all about, he's all about abundant life. He's about healing the sick. He's about raising the dead. And it's, it's, he's, he's out there pushing this reality of the abundant life of God to solve these unsolvable problems. And, and I believe that more and more we're going to see people doing this stuff because we're getting a revelation, a deeper revelation than we've had before. We've had a revelation, but he's giving us a deeper revelation of, of his will regarding life and death. And uh, interesting story that I, I do include in the book, Bobby Connor, the prophet, he was speaking at a conference I was uh, helping a friend put on uh, last year, and he... 
he shared a story about his mother. His mother died twice, and he brought her back both times. But it gets even better. She died. He brought her back. The second time she died, and I'm still a bit confounded by what the Lord said to him, but it is what it is. He said The second time he said, it was not my will for her to return, but because you asked for her to come back, here she is. Like, God, and again, the whole it wasn't my will for her to return thing, I don't, I don't know what to say about that because it doesn't make any sense to me. But the fact remains that God said, look, Bobby, and he shared this story publicly. So, but he said, Bobby, basically, because you commanded your mother's life to come back, she is back. It was your will. It was your choice. And so because you chose, that's what happened. And that is something I think we need to understand in the body is a lot of times people are like, oh, well, what about the will of the dead? I'm sorry, respectfully to the dead person, you don't get a choice. <laughs> You're dead. No, seriously. And, and no, honestly, it's true. The people, go, go to Smith Wigglesworth. that have told yep. me this. Yep. It drives, it drives me up a wall. The number of people say, oh, well, but we got to, you know, honor the will of the dead. I'm sorry, you don't. They're dead. They don't get a choice. And it is your will. It is your choice as a child of God. Jesus said, raise the dead. He didn't say, you know, in Matthew 10, 8, where it talks about, he said, heal the sick, raise the dead. He didn't say to the disciples, oh, I want you guys to take a time of fasting and prayer. I want you to seek the Lord to find out what the will of the dead is. I want you to go, you know, interact with the cloud of witnesses to find out what their will is. Do they want to return? And then, only then, if they want to come back, uh, I want you to raise them. No, he just said, raise the dead. That's right. The Lord said to me, the Lord said to me one time, he said, nobody who dies wants to come back. And it's kind of like what you were saying. If you could go to this place of rapturous bliss, yep. why would you want to? Yep. Right? Yep. I mean, you're going to this place of beauty and bliss and peace. And, and like, what, what about that would make you want to come right. back? To Earth, which I think Earth is pretty great, but right. it's not as good as that. No, it's not. And and see, I think what God was trying to show me in that moment, Michael, was that that the death was not a bad thing. That's what I think. Because I was really thinking that death was just so bad. But what he no, I was, think death is bad. Oh well, well, yes. But I'm just saying that he <laughs> what what God was trying to say to me was that look, this is this is this is what it is. Don't I don't want you to to um, how, how, because I was really having a hard time. I was really, yeah, he doesn't want you to be in pain over right, the negative exactly. plight of somebody because they're not suffering. But, exactly, and, exactly. But, but I think there's different levels of that revelation. Not levels as in one's more valuable, but there's right. different pieces of information contained therein. Like, yes, you don't need to be upset because they're not suffering, if you will. But at the same time, the fact is, nobody who dies wants to come back, Mm-mm. really. I mean, um, so, but we still get a choice. Um, And that's what I believe because even, but now wait a second, because if you really think about it, there was that, there was that book and it was, um, uh, heaven is for real by the little boy who died unbeknownst uh, to everybody. Todd Burpo. Yeah. Todd Burpo. And it was, um, and what happened is that his son went to heaven unbeknownst to him. Now it was very touch and go. But he said that he went to heaven. And what was really interesting about it is he wanted to stay. But God told me I had to go because you commanded. Because his father said. His father was praying. His father was praying. And his father said, do not let my son die. (laughs) I think is what he said. And he said, I have done so much for you. Do not let my son die. And he was really adamant about it. And he says, because you were so angry, 
God sent me back, but I didn't want to come back. Yeah. And that, that right there. Yeah. Is I think where people I think people miss something a lot of times because of our preconceptions about heaven and death and that, that we're supposed to die, people misunderstand that the heart of the Father in heaven is for life. And so, yes. I mean, just imagine. I mean, I'm literally like almost in tears while I'm thinking about this. Like, like the heart of our heavenly Father is for life, and He's so kind and He's so good that He hears the prayer of a man saying, "Please don't take my son." Yes. Not that God takes anybody anyway, because God doesn't. God no, is anti-death. He does not. Right. But, but, but please don't let my son die. Not don't take him. He's not taking him. That's the dumbest thing ever. Right. God does not take people home. He doesn't kill people. God is kind and He is good. Yes. But. When somebody says, God, do not let my son die, he's already died. But guess what? The Lord says, you're going back. Yep. Why are you going back? Because your father on earth has prayed for you, and I am going to, on earth as it is in heaven, yes. commanded on earth as it is in heaven, and I'm going to do what he has commanded on earth. Yes. You know, like, that is the kindness and the love of our Heavenly Father, and yes. that is the key of resurrection. Really, resurrection is about the love of Jesus laid in our lives to bring people back from death. Death is painful. It is it is horrendous. It causes grief. Death is horrible. It is there horrible. is nothing about death which no. is good. Yeah, okay, so somebody who goes to heaven after they die, great, they're happy in heaven, but death itself is an abomination yes. against God. I agree. And it is the kindness, the goodness, and the mercy of God that allows us to raise the dead. And, and that's, I think, something people sometimes forget, because they're like, oh, well, but it's their will to stay dead. Well, one, how can you even test that prophetic word? Because you can't. Because there's not a single place in Scripture where you can ever line up that is the will of God for somebody to die. Nope. You can't. Nope. And any Scriptures where you are saying that, you're misinterpreting them, because there's another way to read them. Like in Hebrews, it talks, it's given man wants to die, and then judgment. It's Hebrews 9-something. Um oh, well, it's given man wants to die, so they're supposed to die. Well, no, because that verse and the series of verses surrounding it, if you read it in context, says, so therefore Jesus died once for all. I'm paraphrasing, but that's basically what it means. Given man wants to die, so Jesus died in place of everybody else on behalf of you, so you don't die. Right. So you don't suffer judgment. That's what it's given man wants to die. Jesus Christ died as you, died for you. You were buried with him in baptism. You were raised with him. So you no longer live, but Christ lives in you because you've already died. You have been crucified in Christ. So you've already died once. You can't die anymore. Mm. Right? Given man wants to die, you're done. Right. And, you know, um, going back to the whole heaven thing, you know, I I once had a conversation with God because I had this, um, I had a spiritual encounter of a very bizarre kind. And um, and I, I can't go into the specifics yet because I don't feel released to publicly go through it. Um, but I know you know about it. But in this particular story, the Lord said to me, he said, Lisa, are people in heaven dead or alive? Yeah. And I said, they are alive. That was well, it. Jesus said it. He said, yes. God's the God of the living, not the dead. That's Abraham right. is alive in heaven. That's Enoch, right. Elijah, I mean, they all never died to begin with, but... Um, I mean, the people who have, quote-unquote, died and gone to heaven, David, yep. uh, Moses, these people are alive yep. because he's the God of the living, not the dead. That's right. And so... That's why we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, because they are alive. Yes, and they pray for us. So, you know, so these are the things is that what you said about that God is not a God of death, that death is nothing, that God has nothing in common with death. You know, he is yeah. life. In him there is no darkness That's at all. That's right. 
That's right. And I think that's a bigger statement. And I think that this book is really going to to eliminate some of those doubts, some of those fears, that it's going to to show scripturally what we're supposed to do. But, you know, when you were talking about the whole like, can you can you ask somebody who died? Um, Smith Wigglesworth, his wife died and he brought her back and she was angry at him. <laughs> And yeah. she said, why did you bring me back? And she, she said, if I die again, do not bring me back. And yeah. so when she died the second time, he did not. And that's one of those things that every person has to decide that individually. Sure. My thought is, my thought is, you know what, I appreciate that, but you're dead. So again, I don't really think you get a choice. <laughs> um, I mean, I, seriously, yeah. and I don't even mean that rudely. I know yeah. that could sound really mean, disrespectful, whatever. But I feel very strongly that the will of God is for life. And so while somebody may say, I want to die, well, okay, so are you submitted to the will of God? Because no. if you are submitted yeah. to the will of God, the will of God is for you to, to for live. For you to live, that's right. So you are, actually, you are actually, by wanting to die or wanting to stay dead, you are placing yourself outside of the express will of the Father in Scripture. So, and of course we have free will. So God will honor we do. it. And he'll, he'll, yeah, he'll, he'll give us a choice. I mean, That's I've right. read a number of different testimonies of people who have died, uh -huh. and God said to them, you have a choice. And they chose to come back because he asked them to. There are other times where he said to people, you don't have a choice, you're coming back. Right. Because so usually because somebody else prayed. Exactly. So you don't have a choice because somebody else commanded you back, and, right. I'm, and I'm answering their prayer. But the rest of the time, um, you're coming back if you choose to. I'd like you to. That is my will. But you still have a choice because God gives us free will. But God's will is very clear, and it's always life. Yeah. So, so when I look at that and I say, okay, so I can honor the will of the dead person, or I can honor the will of God, and the two are juxtaposed to each other, that to me is an easy solution. We're going to honor God over man. So I appreciate you don't want to come back, but I didn't really ask your opinion. Well, you know, I, I think that we... We have to get, like I said, into a place where we start to fulfill the mandate that Jesus gave me, gave us, excuse me. And yeah. um, I, I believe that your book, and, and I'm just going to quickly, just so people can understand, like some of the, the different um, topics that you, you cover, you have God's goodness, you have the issue of sovereignty, which we kind of spoke about, the power of life and the power of authority of resurrection. Um, you talk about having faith to raise the dead. It, then you give um, testimonies, both uh, past and present, biblical resurrections and resurrections throughout history. Then it also, you have practical chapters like when someone dies. <laughs> That's in, you know, so if somebody dies, it's like a step-by-step, -step, this is what you're going to do. This is how it's going to happen. If the access to the body, the hour of prayer. When should I stop praying? And I think that's a, a really big one. When do we stop praying? Like, is it when they go into the ground? Because quite honestly, I don't believe so. I believe we're, we're supposed to, as long as the Lord still puts it on our heart, I, I think that we're supposed to continue praying. Because if St. Patrick could raise 40 people from the dead, and I always go back to St. Patrick because it kind of cracks me up because he raised a horse. And guess what? The horse couldn't tell him if he wanted to stay or go. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, and guess what else? The horse didn't have faith. Right? So the horse yeah. really, and so if... Well, nobody has faith. You're no. dead. Yeah, you exactly. Don't have faith to be, like... <laughs> 
I'm sorry. I just think that's I just think that's some of the best things. Um, but yeah. you're right. If you don't have to have faith because once you leave your body, you're it's just a shell. Correct. That's basically what yeah. it is. I mean, once once you disinhabit your body, yep. it's just a body. Like, right. So, I mean, I think that there, you know, you have common questions. You you just have some really great things about um um, you you do discuss the in a chapter called when they don't want to return. <laughs> so I think yeah, that, I have a whole chapter that discusses this in depth. So I know mm-hmm. it's controversial, and somebody listening, you know, could very easily be offended because I have a very clear and strong stance on the subject. I spell it out in great detail, both why I believe it, why I believe it's God's will for us to believe that, and why I, be, why I see it as scriptural. So I mean, I, I go into a lot of depth on the subject, and I devoted a whole chapter to it because it's the single most common thing that I hear when people are talking about resurrection and raising the dead is, well, what if they don't want to return? Well, it's a slippery slope to get into that, and so... Um, and so, I mean, that's why I gave a whole chapter to it, is so we can really look at what are we saying, what are we actually believing when we're talking about honoring the will of the dead, essentially, mm-hmm. and um, and really flesh that out. So all that to say that if somebody's really upset because I'm saying this right now, don't be. Read the chapter, because I, I try to be very gracious, even though I have a very strong stance on the subject, um, to, to explain and really spell it out um, why I'm saying that. Right. Well, you know, um, I, I think that this book is going to not only raise some questions, it's going to raise some faith, but I believe that this book is going to help to raise the dead. That is the goal. I mean, <laughs> there's definitely some things in there that are controversial. You know, I mean, I, there's probably a lot of stuff in there that's controversial, um, depending on how you're raised or whatever. But, um, but, I mean, ultimately, if we don't get to the point where we can ask hard questions, Mm-hmm. and maybe get new answers than we've, you know, been taught before. Because I think it's safe to say that if what we've believed previously, if we'd arrived with what we've believed so far, we'd be getting different results. I agree. So I think it's safe to say, it's safe to say we haven't arrived. There are new understandings we need that, that don't necessarily, um, it's not like it's new revelation. It's simply reinterpreting revelation that we've misunderstood previously. We just didn't know we misunderstood it because we didn't have the deeper revelation. Um, so, I mean, God is, God is, I believe, really bringing greater clarity about this subject as a whole. And that's honestly the point of this book, whether stuff's controversial or not, whether you agree or disagree with, you know, individual things is the point. It's that we need to learn how to go deeper into the abundant life of God to the point that, like you said, that people get raised, that it's not if they get raised, it's when they get raised. It's not, uh, what do I do? It's, oh... Well, let's here's let's go take care of it then. You know, like you were saying with your friend, and well, I can be there by five. (laughs) So it stops being an issue of, oh no, we have no hope. It's like, no, I'm sorry, I'm a believer. The Son of God lives in me, and so you have not just hope, but you're going to have a solution pretty shortly here. Awesome. Well, Michael, thank you so much uh, for for coming on. And if if you guys are interested in getting um, Michael's latest book, it is called Faith to Raise the Dead. You can find it. You can get it on Amazon. You can also go to his website, which is Kings, K-I-N-G-S of Eden. The Kings of Eden. The Kings, yes. The Kings of Eden. The Kings of Eden.com forward slash raise the dead initiative. So you can actually go there. You can also find it on 
Um, I have a link on uh, on the uh, page, so you can also click there if that's easier. But Michael, thank you for for coming on and and for thank you for writing this book because it it takes a uh, takes a lot of chutzpah to uh, <laughs> to write a book about uh, raising the dead. You know, it's definitely going to raise some eyebrows. But as I said before, I think it's also <laughs> I think it's also going to, uh, to raise the faith to step out and to see some of the greatest uh, moves of God, which I believe are coming. That's what I believe this next um, season is going to offer. So it's going to be pretty exciting. I agree. Well, thanks so much for having me. I really do appreciate it. And uh, um, I agree with you. I do believe that there's so much more coming that, you know, eye has not seen, ear has not heard. You know, God is God is revealing it to his people. I agree. So I'm excited to see what's coming. Yes, I think I think that's a, a great way to end the show. So thank you guys for, for tuning in to uh, to Touch by Prayer. Remember, if you'd like to get in touch with Michael, you can go to his website, thekingsofeden.com. You can also find his latest book and and his other books. Um, there's um, Gemstones from Heaven, Feathers from Heaven, just to name a few. And of course, his latest, which is Faith to Raise the Dead. So thank you guys so much for tuning in. Just remember to go out and touch someone. Good night.